0: Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. As we kick off the Open House year, I found a gem that could well become a much-loved daily companion throughout 2013, dipping into ancient wisdom for a living hope. We are in the midst of an age where we're so overwhelmed with information. Think about this. Today, one week ...of information in a newspaper is more than someone in the 18th century would have consumed in a lifetime. How about that? Yet, so much of it all is here today and gone in the next nanosecond. And amidst all the information, is there much wisdom... Well, author Edwina Murphy has gone back thousands of years to the wisdom of many of the early leaders of the Christian Church for a daily devotional book she's put together called Ancient Wisdom, Living Hope. Though our world is very different from theirs, of course, Edwina says it's also surprisingly similar. And reading through her book, I reckon we'd do well to dip into their wisdom, ultimately the wisdom of following Jesus Christ. Edwina Murphy is a lecturer in church history at the Morling Theological College. Edwina, welcome to Open House.
1: Thank you very much. It's It's great great to meet you. Thank you. It's
0: a great idea. How do you think, Edwina, notwithstanding those thousands of years, that the world of these leaders of the early Christian church is similar to ours?
1: Well, I think they face similar challenges in that they must stand up for their faith in a society that doesn't acknowledge that faith, in fact, feels that that faith is countercultural, And I think as Christians today, although we live in quite a different society, different technology, we too have a message and a hope which is going against the current run of what society tells us or the media tells us.
0: Yes, and at the end of the day, our humanity remains the same, though the cultures around us, swirling as they are, do change.
1: That's right. The people of the early church who understood the message of Jesus, who were followers of Jesus, knew that this was something precious and yes. something to hold on to despite the pressures of their society. Even if it was the pressure to sacrifice to the emperor, denying that or refusing to do that cost them their, their own lives.
0: Yes, which so- I wanted to make that point that this was often a costly faith for them, infinitely more than we would ever contemplate ourselves.
1: Yes, probably people don't think about the early church much at all, but if they do think about the writers of the early church and they might think of saint this or saint that, sometimes they're seen as people who live in ivory towers, that they're writing about the faith from a kind of separated perspective. Maybe they're holier than now. But actually these are people who are pastors, who are trying to guide their churches in the midst of persecution, of schism, of plague, And they're trying to emphasise that the hope that we have in Christ is something that can't be taken away from us, no matter what the circumstances are.
0: So they're very real people.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) I want you to give us a few snapshots of some of the writers you've chosen to quote from in these daily readings. Who are they? Where are they from? What was special about them?
1: Well, I've chosen some quite well-known people from the first 400 or so years. So Augustine, who people may have heard of, is the the last one so he's writing around the year 400. I've chosen uh, some people like Perpetua who was the first Christian woman whose writings we still have. She was martyred uh, along with her companion Felicitas. Then there's other people like Cyprian who I've done some research on. He was a bishop in the mid-third century in Carthage which is Roman North Africa. He is one of those people dealing with uh, persecution and plague and division in the church. And through all of this, he's trying to lead his people along this narrow way to salvation so that they don't get attracted by the things of the world, that they remain true to their faith and to confess in Christ.
0: Do you have a favourite among them? Is Cyprian, because you've studied him in some detail, is he your favourite?
1: Yes, Cyprian probably is my favourite. It's interesting because I come from a baptist tradition baptists traditionally aren't very keen on the church fathers (laughs) in the first place but uh cyprian is well known for his views on the unity of the church um that there's only one church that you must be part of so it's maybe a bit of an unusual choice but what i like about cyprian is his emphasis on this hope for the future every action here every behavior here Uh, how we live here, is motivated by the surety of the promise we have and what God has for us.
0: He says being a Christian is a matter of faith and hope. Yes. That's how he encapsulates it. Yes, that's right. Are there one or two favourite quotes that you have?
1: Yes, I like this one from Ignatius because it brings together this idea of reflection but also action. So this is Ignatius, he's a a bishop who ends up being martyred in Rome and he's writing to churches along the way and he says, Make sure that unbelievers are instructed by your works, if in no other way. Be meek in response to their wrath, humble in opposition to their boasting. To their blasphemies, return your prayers. In contrast to their error, be steadfast in the faith. And for their cruelty, show your gentleness. Wow. So I think that's just a great picture of how to respond to people who don't yet know Christ, how we, in our response to them, can instruct them and point them towards Christ.
0: When you read their expression of faith and how that engages with the world, so often it seems to me it's such an uncluttered faith. Is that a fair enough thing to observe, do you think?
1: I think they had to be single-minded. Yes. They Mm. had to be single-minded because there were so many pressures around them that without that focus, without that clarity, they wouldn't have survived. Now, that's not to say everyone in the early church did persevere. Many fell by the wayside. Many found the pressure too much. There's an encouragement there, but there's also a challenge there to persevere, to keep going. Cyprian talks a lot about that uh, perseverance that you need in the Christian life.
0: How do you think their faith and their world differs from us? Of course, it's a very, very different world. But the faith that we have today, the expression, the, the clutteredness of it, often. How do you think we differ from them?
1: Certainly, we face a lot more challenges. Even in the past ten years, you know, people didn't used to read emails on their phone and things like that. Yes. In the very, I can even remember when I didn't have a mobile phone at all. So can I? You <laughs> know, that's that's the olden days. Yeah. Um, so those kind of constant interruptions are there now in a way I don't think were there in the past.
0: The expression or conduct of our faith, how does that differ from these early Christian leaders?
1: I actually think they had a much more difficult time in many ways than we do because we can go to church on a Sunday. I'm talking about Christians in Australia. Yes, yes. Not in other parts of the world. People in other parts of the world who are Christians face very similar challenges to the early church. Martyrdom isn't some far away abstract idea to them as it may be to some of us so for many of the early Christians they were in positions where they didn't have freedom to do what they wanted to do they may be a slave in a household they may have found it difficult even to come and join the Christian community of faith they may have been concerned that even if the, the communion wine was smelt on their breath people might pick out they're a Christian they had difficulties in their just financial dealings and being part of society, because many of those things involved taking oaths to the gods. So they lived in a society in which their faith was constantly challenged. I think our faith is constantly challenged, but in a maybe more subtle way than that, in that we're receiving messages all the time that tells us what's good, what success looks like, what beauty looks like. It tells us how to behave sexually. Sex and violence is made to look so glamorous. Yes. It's appealing. We don't see the sordid side, the violence and the death, or even we might see the death, but it's packaged in a way that it's something entertaining and exciting rather than something appalling (laughs) or sordid. Or
0: quite practically and simply life-threatening for them. Yes, that's Uh, right. And there's something about... A faith in the midst of suffering or in the midst of threat or the wilderness that's very raw and very real has to be, doesn't it?
1: Yes, that's right. You mentioned earlier about the clarity, the singularity of purpose. If we're faced with all these challenges around us, how can we hold on to our faith? We need to look to Jesus. He's our hope. He's the one who provides us with strength. We need to look to the scriptures. The early fathers and mothers are often encouraging us to fall asleep, our head on the sacred page. We need to, I think, reprogram ourselves in some ways. And technology can help us do that. You know, there's a great Bible app, I think Bible TV put it out, where, you know, you can read through the Bible in a year chronologically or you can read through it all in in various ways. It's sent right to your phone. And I found that if I do it before I get out of my bed... I'm much more successful at reading the Bible and it's, reflecting.
0: It's one of the things I wanted to ask you. One of the great challenges we have with a daily devotional, and this is nothing like they would have experienced, I take it, in their day, is the time pressure in our lives today. It makes pausing for a few minutes, even a few moments, to reflect on such wisdom, such a challenge. How do we do that?
1: Yes, there always seems to be something else to be done. Yes. <laughs> There's always <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, a lot of challenges. And even the minute you sit down uh, to pray or to reflect, uh, as someone said, you immediately bring up all the to-do lists, which you've been quite happily ignoring you know, for a day or a week or a month, but suddenly they seem so urgent. Yeah. We've got information coming us from every direction. We've got, you know, if you've got children like I do, there always seems to be some question or something to be done. There are a lot of intrusions and and challenges. And that's why I think it's difficult but even more important that we take time out to reflect on God and on His Word. You know, Luther said something to the effect that, I'm so busy I've got to pray for three hours a day. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Because when we spend time with God, when we read His Word, that gives us the focus we need to see what's important and what's not important. So many of the things that we're distracted by are trivial you know, you see some of those car ads that are encouraging not to text while we drive. You know, someone's killed in a car accident because they stopped to look at a text, where are you, or, or hi. Something so trivial, Yes. but yet life-threatening. So when we focus on God and what He wants us to do and allow His Spirit to speak to us and lead us, that's when we can differentiate out between the urgent and the important. And, you know, I always find that a challenge because I'm easily distracted. But I think if we want to grow in Christian maturity and we also want to be better stewards of our life, more successful in our life, in the things that really count, then we need to get onto God's agenda rather than our own.
0: Or as the people from Nike would say, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> yes,
1: I know. Yeah. That's why I've started doing it before I get out of bed, because I used to have a reminder when it was 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, And in that time, you're in the middle of making breakfast and you've already read some emails and so on. Whereas I find before I even get go anywhere, if I read the Bible, then it's more likely to get done. So I think that may not work for everybody, but you've got to find a time that's consistent for you, that helps you before you get caught up in the mess yes, of the day,
0: just to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good tip for Monday morning. More broadly, you approach this from a position of church history, yes. something that I think is so underattended in our Christian life. What is it about church history that floats your boat? Why is it such an important thing for us to include in our Christian agenda?
1: Well, you know, when I started at Bible college about 20 years ago or so now, I was a lot like most students that I see coming into the classroom now, I was perhaps a little more interested in history than them. But I, w- I did church history because it's a core subject. Yes. you got to do it, right? So, <laughs> And that's most people in my class are there not because they're passionate about church history. They've come to study the Bible. They've come to study theology. But church history is like, yeah, because i got to do it. Yeah. But usually by the end of the semester, they realize how valuable it is because you can't really understand theology without understanding history. You can't understand where we are now without understanding the, the beginnings. I mean, the, the early church fathers are the ones who are used by God to actually choose or decide which books would be recognized as God's Word. Yes. That was the early church. Sometimes we kind of imagine that the Bible finished and then here we are now, <laughs> a couple of thousand years later, all of a sudden. If we don't understand where we come from, we're like people without a memory. We're like people without a family history. So many people, for myself and people in my classes, have realised, oh, so that's why we do that, or that's why we think that, or that's what we were reacting against. You can see how sometimes theology is affected by certain historical circumstances. And you can also see the mistakes people have made in the past – and it's easy to, you know, have 2020 hindsight and see their errors. But I like to challenge students and myself to say those people thought they were really following God. They were really committed. And yet, from our perspective, they got it so wrong. Yes. What might we be doing which we <laughs> have a blind spot about that we're unaware of. I think doing church history sometimes shows us what lessons to avoid. But it also shows us that we may be passionate about following God, but we also need to realise that we're people of our own time as well. And by getting that historical perspective, we can be challenged in areas. We can see how passionate someone like, you know, Francis of Assisi was about the poor, or even John Chrysostom, who often challenged people's worldly living. Christians in Australia, on the whole, Aren't terribly worried about that. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, so, and even Christians in other countries, we can learn from their perspectives. How can they think that way? Isn't it clear what the Bible teaches? So we often read scripture through a certain lens. And I think church history shows us that we too have a lens through which we read. And they can challenge us in areas that we might have blind spots about.
0: I think to shine a light on it, and especially through this book, is a great service to the Christian community. The book is called "Ancient Wisdom, Living Hope," and we'll put the details up on our Open House Community Facebook page. And Edwina has been so kind to bring in five copies of her book that we can give away to you. So jump on the phone right now. First five calls, we'll send it out to you. One three hundred forty twenty twenty. Edwina, thanks so much indeed for joining us on Open House. It's a gem.